All right, folks, welcome back to episode 12. This is Shamina, and this is the podcast, Two Quick Things. Today, I think I'm going to hit just one topic, so one quick thing. I'm going to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome. So I will give you my layperson's definition of imposter syndrome. It's essentially when someone thinks that they are not smart enough or bright enough to be um, sitting in a certain room or to have a certain position. And they basically feel like they're going to be found out by people who are going to come in and say, you're, you actually don't belong here. And so when you're in an imposter syndrome mindset, you're constantly waiting for someone to be like, um, actually, we made a mistake. You're not the person that's, that's actually right for this role and you can leave now. So <clears throat> that's the layperson's definition. I couldn't find like a great definition that I thought was transferable, but it's essentially you're feeling like a fraud. You're feeling like you're incompetent, not intelligent, and not prepared to do something. So I think there are a number of ways that people can kind of experience imposter syndrome. I was looking at this article on The Muse, and it is entitled Five Different Types of Imposter Syndrome and Five Ways to Battle Each One. I'm not going to talk about the ways to battle each one, but as I was reading this, I certainly saw in myself, I saw myself in a few of these. Um, Now, the term imposter syndrome has been around since the late 70s and was discovered by two female psychologists when they were talking about high achieving women. So that's kind of how the concept came about. And as of late, there have been tons and tons of articles, probably podcasts. There's several TED talks of like live humans and then like animated pieces around imposter syndrome. And there are two from this article that really stuck with me. One is the, um, let me see, I'm trying to get this. Um, they're going to sound, one of these sounds so pompous, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's in, in the, the article and it says the natural genius it, that refers to um, some questions to think about. It says, not sure if this applies to you. Are you used to excelling without much effort? Do you have a track record of getting A's or good grades or gold stars in everything you do? Were you told frequently as a child that you were the smart one in the family? Um, So that's something I remember growing up and thinking I didn't have to work terribly hard. I had to work, don't get me wrong, but I didn't have to work terribly hard to get good grades. Things just kind of came to me, which is probably when I got into uh, grad school, it was difficult to figure out how to study or how to take notes on things because I had just previously been able to absorb information and like flip it into something else into like an idea or concept and communicate it. Um, the other one, uh, type of imposter syndrome, it says the expert, it experts measure their, uh, competence based on what and how much they know and can do. So some questions to ask yourself, do you shy away from applying to job postings unless you meet every single educational requirement, not the educational requirement for me, but like the bullet points of a job. Are you constantly seeking out trainings or certifications, but because you think you need to improve your skills in order to succeed? Um, So those were two, one of, again, they both sound kind of pompous to be like the, the expert and the natural genius, but those are ways that I have felt imposter like, in my life. 
there's also, so Michelle Obama is coming out or is on her book tour right now. And she talks uh, about imposter syndrome in a few of the conversations. I, I guess it depends really on what the nature of the conversation is. And she likens the the idea of imposter syndrome and she kind of relates it to when you grow up in an environment, uh, one of hers is specifically when you grow up like working or lower class and then you go to school, get your education and you find yourself moving to middle or upper class and how you you just may not be used to that space. So it feels like, am I supposed to be here? Is somebody going to find me out and I'm going to go back to kind of where my roots stem from? And she mentions the times where she's been sitting in like corporate spaces or corporate boards or foundations or been at the G summit. And she basically is like, they're not that smart. Like lots of people would like, because you're sitting in a certain position, they think you're like the smartest thing since, you know, I don't know, insert name of smart person. But really it's the, they may be good at one thing, but they've all made mistakes Um, Each of those people who has been through something and they, for one reason or another, have persevered, good, bad or indifferent, to get to the space that they're in. So that's kind of how she talks about imposter syndrome. Um, Folks, it doesn't seem to have a color or a gender, if you believe in genders. Um, But from my experience, it can be something that feels debilitating. So I'll talk um, about one of the tables that I sit at right now work is, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel regularly like I'm not supposed to be at the table. Like everyone is talking about these things and they know exactly what they're talking about because they've done them or their mind just works in that way. So I find myself having to really push through and think, not get bogged down with like, I am like the new kid on the block and I've only been doing this and trying to move through some of the language that I use with myself and in my head to diminish my experience, to diminish like my role at the table. And really, I started to think I belong in this space. Maybe I don't know exactly all pieces of the information or how to process this, but I'm at the, I'm in the, in the space for a reason. I'm at the tables that I'm at for a reason. Sometimes I think that reason is to be able to ask the questions of what does this actually mean? What is the impact of this project, this thing that we're asking people to do or participate in? Because I think once we get to a certain level, we forget or can forget the impact of being on the receiving end of work or receiving end of a directive. And we just want to give the directive to get the thing done without maybe giving much context or much explanation of why we're doing something. Now, as a person who's not really big on context, I don't always need the context of why we're doing something. Um, I also can generally take a directive, so that's not a big thing for me. But I think when we get at the table and where I've, I've started to notice this, and I sit at a number of different tables in my role, but when you ask someone or when I've asked someone, what does that really mean? And they're not able to explain it to me or they have difficulty kind of breaking it down into like regular language of how we would normally talk to each other, then I realize, okay, you're just maybe using big words because they sound good, which is you can use the big words, but how is that helpful for the people that we are engaging with? And so 
I'm trying to figure out, circle, circle back around that moment. So the times where I feel like, am I really supposed to be sitting at this table? I remind myself, I, I am a reminder for a lot of people who I engage with that our communication and how we talk should be uh, digestible for people. We shouldn't always expect people to meet us at this high intellectual level where we're saying all the SAT words and the ACT, the GRE words and phrases, because that's not how we talk in regular life. So I have to think about the times of when I'm at the tables where I don't think I belong or I don't feel confident. I, number one, remind myself that I'm here for a reason and I have to sometimes really quickly think of what's the reason that I'm here and then stand in that. And then I have to remember, I have been placed or positioned to be in some spaces or leading some groups because someone believes in what they see in me. So I don't really want to like give people this impression that if you put me in a space, I'm going to not be confident or I'm not going to uh, know how to show up in the space or lead it. But that's really something to for me that I have to to move through in terms of reminding myself okay, you're feeling this way right now, acknowledge that and think of, okay, why are you feeling this way? What are the things that you can do to combat it? Um, when I was watching this video about, it's a short video about imposter syndrome and like the science behind it. Um, the woman that I saw, she was like, well, before it was called the imposter syndrome, it was called the inferiority complex. And I was like, ooh, that sounded really drastic. And then I'm thinking, I know damn well, I am not inferior. So then it made me start to think, okay, well, how do I really break this down? Because it's cute to say imposter syndrome, because it puts like, um, a shininess to a really unfortunate word of inferiority. So I really had to think, oh, that is not how I want to be connected to this thing. Um, a lot of what we feel in the places of where imposter syndrome comes from is when we don't feel like we belong in a space, like we haven't cultivated relationships. Um, we don't know how to operate in those spaces. Maybe we don't know how to be vulnerable in those. And there's like a, a true vulnerability, not the I'm announcing that I'm being vulnerable right now, but really showing up in that way. I think that's one of the, the sense of belonging. When we don't feel like we belong, we look around at people kind of shifty. And I'm like, well, you all look like you belong because you speak the same language. And so maybe I need to assimilate and speak that same language. Um, I don't think that's true, but I think that that is a very easy, I believe that's a very easy way to think about the imposter syndrome and kind of talk yourself out of being in those important spaces because there's a voice for you and insert you, whoever you are. Um, another conversation I, I had very briefly was there's kind of a, a mind screw around the imposter syndrome. And it's really a, it can be perceived as, I'm trying to put this delicately, but there's no real delicate way to say it. But there, there's a level of of white supremacy that exists in there that says that kind of goes with the if you think of the people who are in the room making the decisions, it looks different now than it did years ago, than it did a decade ago, than it did 20 years ago. But it's still the same people in those rooms making those decisions. It's still, quote unquote, the inferior if we're, if we're looking at the technical term of what 
the imposter syndrome is, it's the inferiority complex. It's people who generally, and those are people who usually feel it a lot. Those of us who are in marginalized groups are feeling inferior because we're not used to being in those spaces. And to be honest, those spaces, insert whatever you want as those spaces, are not necessarily designed for us. So there's a, there's a, there's a weirdness of kind of the way that we see um, imposter syndrome and that inferiority complex. And I'm not even sure how do we start to break through that. I know the thing that, that I consciously try to do to break through is think about what, why am I in this space? What voice am I bringing to this space that's not already here? And then I have to remember to use that voice because I can certainly get caught up in feeling nervous and not wanting to sound dumb or look dumb. And I know that my voice is valuable and there's a reason that I'm there. And sometimes that reason is to talk through the group with a group of folks in a way that is accessible and digestible for people. Sometimes I'm in that space and I have to remind myself so that other people can see black Shamina in that space or uh, masculine presenting Shamina in that space or gay Shamina in that space because it gives permission for people to know that that is an option. That space that I'm in, that table that I'm at is a reminder that you can be there too, that you don't have to look like X, Y, and Z in order to be in that space. You can look like me and be in the space and take a different path than, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, somebody just invites you to the table. So I, th- I have to remind myself of, the, of that regularly. It's not always in moment that I feel it, but I have to constantly think through like the interactions where I feel like, I don't know what these people are talking about at this table, but I'm just going to go with it. So sometimes I'm faking it. And sometimes I step out in my vulnerability and I say, I'm not exactly sure what this means. Can you help me understand this? Um, so that when I get to have an opportunity to communicate it back, I know what we're talking about and can say so with a level of confidence. Um, so those are my thoughts on imposter syndrome. Even like despite what you think that people, the, the most confident looking or sounding people in the room, um, like they've got it all together. Lots of people have or experience imposter syndrome. Um, but start to think about it differently because if you look again at the scientific uh, term, it's inferiority complex. I I don't know about you, but I know that I'm not inferior. So I'm really I'm I'm starting to take that to, to heart a little bit more after the few times that I've read that phrase. But lots of people have the imposter syndrome and don't feel like they belong. Um, our first lady, the first lady, my only first lady, Michelle Obama, Michelle Levon Robinson Obama certainly says she experiences it as well. So uh, if that's not some vulnerability and some truth for you, I don't know what is. So that's all for this episode. I'm probably going to bring somebody on to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome some point later. I've got some great ideas and stuff coming for the new year. This is I got a few more episodes for this year. So thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to share, you, share it with your friends. Slide in my DMs if you have some questions. Um, I am on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, and then I am on Facebook and Instagram under Two Quick Things. Uh, Feel free to rate me on there. You can share the episode. I hope you got something from it. If there's a topic that you want to hear, you can, again, slide into my DMs either on Facebook or 
um, Instagram and let me know what you want to hear. All right. Thanks. Bye.